In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was in high school, I was deeply involved with my local Young Life chapter. Every Wednesday, I would cram into somebody's basement with a hundred or more other high schoolers to sing praise to God and hear a Bible lesson. Thursday nights, a small group of us spent the night at our Young Life leader's house so that we could wake up early on Friday morning for Bible study and monkey bread. The highlight of the year was, of course, summer camp. We would pile into a fancy motor coach and make our way up to the Finger Lakes of New York, where we were guaranteed the best week of our lives. There on Sarah Come Closer to God, we'd spend the week immersed in experiences designed to help us come closer to God. The music was exquisite, the food delicious, the ski nautique boats were top-notch and perfect for water skiing and parasailing. There is no mountaintop experience quite like hanging from a parachute 300 feet in the air being pulled around one of the most beautiful lakes in New York by a high-powered ski boat captained by a college student who loves Jesus. <laughs> Mountaintop experiences are amazing. Of course they are. That's why they're called mountaintop experiences. They are the pinnacle of life. We've just heard the story of the first Christian mountaintop experience in Mark's version of the transfiguration story, but a brief browse through scripture shows us several others. God gave Noah the rainbow as a sign after the ark came to rest atop a mountain. Moses received the law on Mount Sinai. Elijah heard the still, small voice of God on Mount Horeb. The mountaintop is often a very thin place where the veil between heaven and earth is seemingly non-existent. The presence of God can be felt profoundly. It is natural for us to yearn for those experiences. And when they happen, we should rejoice in them, just as Peter did when he recognized Elijah and Moses talking with Jesus. We should rejoice because they are amazing and because they are few and far between. The mountaintop is hard to come by. That's why religious leaders often work hard to cultivate them for us. That the mountaintop experience is pre-designed doesn't mean it's disingenuous. It seems clear that Jesus pre-planned this particular event. He selected a few of his most trusted disciples to go with them. They climbed a literal mountain, and a spectacular event took place. That it was manufactured doesn't mean the mountaintop experience of Peter, James, and John on the Mount of the Transfiguration or my week at Lake Saranac aren't real. But it does go to show us that the mountaintop, while beneficial and worth pursuing, isn't normal. Life isn't lived atop the mountain, but in the ups and downs of daily life, present in the valleys as on the mountaintops. When I was in college, I was a part-time youth minister at St. Thomas Church in Lancaster. And like our EYC here, we were small but committed. 
One summer, we joined a large international mission trip company to spend a week in rural North Carolina rehabbing houses. I was so excited for that trip, for my kids to have a mountaintop experience. The partner company we worked with had slick resources. They appeared to have a decent theological foundation and everything looked like it would be easy peasy lemon squeezy. But nothing could have been further from the truth. We were assigned a house that needed significant soffit and fascia repair. If you don't know where that is, that means up in the air. My crew was me and five ninth graders. Our first job was to build two ladders. That's right, we were given a bunch of two-by-fours and some nails in order to build our own ladders to climb up into the air. Our second job was to climb those homemade ladders with a sawzall to cut out the rotten fascia boards. Me and five ninth graders. Each night, the program was filled with scared straight type stories that were meant to get our kids to believe in Jesus so that they wouldn't go to hell. Our van broke down midweek, and my air mattress was flat every morning. We were about as deep in the valley as we could get. And yet, on our last night there, my kids and I got to experience the love of God in a deeply moving way. I've blocked out whatever the evening program was about, but I remember how my kids reflected on the week and how they were able to see God even in the hardship. Despite the lack of resources and despite my grumpiness, we all knew in that moment that God loved us and we were forever transformed in that knowing and being known. My friend Keith Talbert pointed out to me this week that the lessons for the last Sunday of Epiphany are often used to highlight the mountaintop, but they could just as each easily teach us to look for God in the valleys. This season of God in our life specifically set aside for us to look for the aha moments of God in our lives. The lessons for this Sunday shine a bright light on the mountaintop with Peter and James and John, but also deep in the valley with Elijah and Elisha. Elijah's final journey begins at Gilgal. There's lots of details I could talk about Gilgal, and I'll spare you most of them, but there are several Gilgals in the Hebrew scriptures. It's a circle of rocks built as a monument, and we have no real idea which Gilgal their journey began from. Could be one by the Jordan River where the Israelites camped before they crossed the river and entered the promised land. But more likely, it's one of the Gilgals that were erected in the mountains north and west of Jerusalem. The story of Elijah and Elisha could quite literally begin on a mountaintop. But they couldn't stay there. As Elijah made his slow and steady march toward the Jordan River Valley and his death, Elisha, heir to his prophetic voice, 
traveled with him in grief. They came down from Gilgal into Bethel where a company of prophets and Elijah himself tried to dissuade Elisha from continuing. You know that today the Lord is going to take your master away. Yes, I know. Be quiet. From Bethel, Elijah and Elisha continued down to Jericho, where again Elijah and another company of prophets tried to keep Elisha from following his mentor into the depths. You know that today the Lord is going to take your mentor away. Yes, I know. Be quiet. From Jericho, God called Elijah to the Jordan River and Elisha followed yet again. And finally, Elijah struck the river and the waters parted and Elijah and Elisha found themselves standing in the middle of a dried up riverbed. There, about as far from the mountaintop as anyone can go, Elisha received a double portion of the spirit. Elijah was swept up in a whirlwind by the hand of God. At one of the lowest points on earth, during one of the lowest points in his life, Elisha experienced a profound encounter. I don't know about with the living God. I don't know about you, but after all that we've been through in the last 11 months, I find myself drawn to the story of Elijah and Elisha today. From where I'm standing, as we try to figure out Ash Wednesday in a snowstorm, there seems to be a lot of opportunities to walk uphill from here. Even in difficult times, however, we can rest assured that God is here. God is present and ready to pour out grace and love in abundance on the mountaintops, in the valleys, and everywhere in between. There are better days ahead. Of this I am sure. But my prayer in the meantime is that each of us will have the opportunity to experience the transfiguring love of God in the highs and in the lows of everyday life. Amen.